Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour. I'm happy to be here. But boy, was this a weekend a rough one. My producer just asked, what did you do this weekend? I went, I completely forgot. And I realized short-term memory loss really kicked in here, and it was to preserve my brain from the trauma of the psychological warfare of my two-year-old. Terrorizing me, terrorizing me, torturing me. It's been rough. It's been a let me cry, scream, or whine for every little thing I want. Every little thing. So we're working through it. (laughs) It's definitely a learning curve. Hello, terrible twos and soon-to-be terrorizing threes. Uh, What was worse for you, terrible twos or terrorizing threes for those parents out there? I've heard the threes are much worse. Anyways, lo and behold, is our weekly happy hour. And today on Trending, we're going to be talking about money. Not that money can buy you happiness, but how you handle it can definitely impact your happiness. I'm going to be joined in just a moment by John and Amanda Texera. We're going to talk about what you need to do to have the freedom to buy what you need. We'll also talk about a no-spend Lenten challenge. John and Amanda are from WalletWin.com, and here's the awesome part. Have you ever had a financial question, but you also wanted a faithful Catholic perspective on it? with morals and principles, ethics going into that decision. Well, John and Amanda are Catholics, and they come from that specific perspective. Check them out at WalletWin.com. Also, people want to make a change in their life. It's Lent. Do you want to make a change? I'm going to share with you one thing you should do to change your life for the better. Also coming up, I shared this with you earlier uh, last week, And that is an incredible viral TikTok video of a young woman who wants to be called Mike, but her grandmother told her no. She reads the letter on TikTok that her mother, her grandmother wrote her and is in tears. There's so much to learn about how this grandmother handled the situation of a young woman desiring to transition. So stay with me today on Drending. It is great to be with you. Happy Monday. What's impacting your happiness? Let me know if you have a question, especially having to do with financial happiness. Financial peace, numbers one, 888-914-9149. Join me now are John and Amanda Texera. John and Amanda, welcome to Trending. Thanks for having us. Hey, Timory. It's very good to be here. This is a first that we've had two guests at the same time, and lo and behold, a husband and a wife. Let's dive into these topics. You guys come from WalletWin.com. You are bringing a faith-filled perspective, a Catholic perspective, to finances. 
One of the things I'm hearing a lot of people talking about right now includes everything from the price of eggs, um, meat, <laughs> rationing eggs. Um, I think I just stocked up on six dozen eggs thinking if I wait too much longer, they're going to be even more expensive next time I buy them. Um, you know, even things such as rent. I mean, for years we've seen young people, millennials struggling with rent because they're suffering through student loan debt that is basically the equivalent of a monthly um, house payment. So let's talk about what you need to do to have the freedom to buy just those basic things that you need uh, to survive day to day. That's a really important question to ask. A lot of folks do, like you're saying, find themselves in that spot where the bills seem to outrun the money in the bank account. So to figure out that question of how do I afford and pay for what I need, we first should ask the question, well, what do I really need? Now, there's some things like you mentioned that are very straightforward, rent, utility bills, things like that, food maybe. Uh, but after that, it gets a little bit of a prudential decision, a little bit of a, a judgment call on, well, how fancy should our dinners be when we cook at home? Should it be steak every night? Or do we throw in, a, I don't know, maybe some tuna sandwiches in there from time to time? Uh, so we have to think about what we need and not to confuse uh, needs and wants, even if we really want them. Now, <laughs> it's not wrong to build some wants into your spending. You know, if all you're doing is having money come in and it's only going strictly to needs, that's a recipe for feeling like you're just going to be deflated and out of energy by the end of the month because there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room. And that can really weigh on people. And over the last couple of years, this has been happening more and more. It's kind of been the ultimate financial whiplash for people over the last couple of years. At first, you know, many governments were throwing money at people left and right. And then all of a sudden, inflation smacked us in the face out of thin air. And then that those financial wins that we were racking up began to dry out. And I believe there was a study even this week that showed that Millennials in particular are at the highest level of credit card debt um, since the 2008 housing recession. And that millennials have been climbing in that credit card spending category just on everyday essentials, not even some of those wants that you know I, I was mentioning there. It's, it's strictly just keeping up with those needs. And that can be really stressful and discouraging. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's funny. I was even listening. You recommended the tuna sandwiches, not the egg salad sandwiches. There's a reason for that. <laughs> because things that used to be maybe our go-to less expensive option, suddenly out of nowhere, I'm finding even myself a little disoriented when I go to the grocery store even, or mm -hmm. just with basic things. You know, the heater. I'm in Southern California and it's freezing cold right now. Freezing cold for us Californians. It is one of the coldest winters on record. And it's we haven't seen the sun. Okay. And for us wow. Californians, that's a big deal. <laughs> and you know, I'm sitting here going, I am not turning on my heater again. It's been running around the clock. So these things that maybe you wouldn't think about, I mean, maybe we're used to thinking about air conditioner, but not the heater with rising gas prices. So let's talk a little bit more about those needs versus wants. Do you have exercises for how to distinguish this? Because I think this is a key factor. I mean, I'll give one example. 
Amazon purchases. I've had to reduce my Amazon purchases to only one day a week. And I have to like mm. really discern what on that list is actually going to be bought that I've been racking up throughout the week. Because there are a lot of things I think I need and I just quickly go and buy it on Amazon. And it's a great tool perhaps for my home and making life easier, but it wasn't actually a need. And I was spending way too much on Amazon because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, often that's a common question we get is, you know, how can I mitigate some of these Amazon expenses or the Target overspending or the Costco overspending? Um, and for Amazon and all online purchasing in particular, we have a rule of usually just we'll put it in the cart because sometimes your brain will just get that hit of dopamine by just putting it in the cart and then sleep on it or build in that buffer where you're only going to make the purchase once a week. So you're putting a little bit of a distance between yourself and actually pulling the trigger of the purchase. And sometimes that's enough just to get it out of your system, if you will, and have it pass you by. And then you realize you don't need it at a later time. And that's a way to kind of save some money. Um, but really, what I think is important for people is to figure out what is your reality right now? What is your vocation? And what are the priorities that God's asking you to prioritize and to protect? And those are the types of things that should rise to the top of our spending and where we should be aligning the dollars that God's entrusting to us every month. And then some of those things that uh, aren't as important, you know, they're going to fall far farther down the list. And so when it comes time to actually make decisions, we're making sure that we're protecting what God's asking us to say yes to. And then if the money doesn't get as far down the list to some of those wants that are kind of fun, but they're not really moving the needle towards where he's asking us to give our yes, then we know that that's not where we're going to prioritize our money right now. And we're just going to wait for maybe another time when there might be more cash flow or a situation where that makes more sense. Mm, I like that. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know I'm sure you have studied well uh, David Ramsey's and his work all about financial peace. And one of the things to this day he still really pushes is taking your money out of the bank putting it in envelopes, separating it out. And I find a lot of people today uh, mm -mm. feel uncomfortable carrying cash on them. This is something my husband's like, I do not want you carrying cash on you. I don't want you to have a bunch of cash in your car. And, you know, There's a concern about safety for many people, especially you know the times we live in. What is your mindset on cash and how is there a way to do that type of budgeting? For those who don't know, maybe explain what that is too without using cash. Well, yeah, I think you explained it pretty well. Take a bunch of money out, put the cash in envelopes, bring the envelopes with you to pay for things. We do not recommend cash envelopes. Uh, for us personally, if I've got cash, that's going to get spent. and I'm not really going to be sure where it went. <laughs> There's no trail. I can't check later. Um, I'm going to lose the receipt. So I need it to come across on the debit card statement. So I go, oh, yeah, I did buy those hot dogs. <laughs> Hold on so, a second, though. That cash spending, do you think of cash as free money? It can feel that way it, in yeah. your mind, for okay. sure. Because I yeah, think it's, that's it's a Yeah, it's easier to be sneaky with the cash because – yeah, it just, it's just, yeah, it's, there's no, there's no uh, trail that follows you mm -hmm. after cash. And mm -hmm. then what you mentioned, just the frustration about having it in your glove box. Well, now you're at the grocery store, but you're, maybe your spouse is in a different vehicle across town and needs gas money. It can become a mess very quickly. Um, and then it's just, you're stuck doing math constantly on the back of the envelope 
trying to figure out, oh, I spent here and now I have to minus and figure out what I have left. And nowadays we have such good budgeting software that exists out there that it's essentially a virtual envelope anyway. And it just means that you don't need to go down the route of cash envelopes to still reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. I like it. I appreciate that because I always have this kind of um, tug and pull <laughs> in my heart. Like I know he's really good at these financial tips, but it just doesn't quite fit, I guess, my lifestyle or maybe I guess we could even argue generation. And I think that that's one of the challenges sure. where other people aren't jumping on to that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, the the most effective and the best budgeting system that we recommend for you is the one you're actually going to use. So if you think about getting cash out and putting it in the envelopes, that really like lights your fire and is going to keep you on the plan that you've set for yourself, well, go get some envelopes and pull out the cash. But if that's going to be a mess, please don't do that. Instead, try uh, try a budgeting app. Or if you are just an Excel wizard, hey, maybe a spreadsheet's right for you, but it's not going to be right for somebody else. You need to find the way of managing your personal finances, like the, the actual uh, practical tracking of it all should fit with your personality, with your temperament and all that. So what do you recommend for budgeting? Because I assume budgeting is the key piece to having that freedom to buy what you need day to day. It is. It really is the number one tool to practice virtue with our money. Because a budget is inviting us, again, to prioritize what it is that God's asking us to prioritize right now and not just spend whatever we want on whatever we want, however we want. Our brains sometimes think that's freedom, but real freedom is in saying yes to what God's asking us to do. And so we recommend a software called YNAB. You need a budget is the software. Um, there's There's many that are out there, but this one is so robust and once it's up and running, it's just so easy for people to use, especially on their phones. Mm-hmm. And then especially if you are married and you're having two people participating in the budget at once. Uh, but really, that's what we recommend people do is figure out a system that they can use and actually start to stick with. And we recommend people having budget parties every single month because every single month is different from another month. And essentially, you sit down and you look at what money has been entrusted to you this month go through and fill in the, the must fund categories. You know, you got to have a roof over your head. You got to have gas in the car. You got to have food on the table. You have money that you're going to be giving. And then from there, the rest is kind of, it's, it's, you squeeze it in amongst the different categories and the goals and priorities that are really in front of you at that moment. If you're single and paying off student loans, maybe you're going to be putting a bigger chunk towards the student debt. If you're married with several kids, you're going to be prioritizing some kids' activities in there. So your budget is going to be a reflection of exactly what God's calling to you in your vocation right now. And the most important thing to remember when it comes to budgeting is it's not a straight jacket. It's not a financial juice cleanse. It <laughs> is a tool to that allows you to say yes to the vocation God has called you to, to the particular circumstances in which you live. Uh, and it is your way to Gather up your little army of George Washingtons and say, okay, you guys over here, this platoon, you're going to go take care of the mortgage, whatever it is. And it is the plan you make at the beginning of the month to make sure as you go through that month, as you are in those moments of decision that you can look back to when you were calmer, when you were sitting down, making your best plan, and you just live out the plan. Mm -hmm. You just go forward with that and it enables you to live the life 
that you're looking to do, to say yes to God and the life he has for you, instead of something that's going to hold you back and say no to everything. That is not a budget. A budget is that tool that helps you say yes. Excellent. Okay, you mentioned why now? That's a software. Is it a, a app on the phone? Do you recommend using the app? Do you recommend using the computer? What's the best way to collaborate on this? Sure. So you can look that up. It's YNAB. So Y N A B. You need a budget. Uh, it's available. Yeah, you can go through your browser on your computer. You can download apps on your phone if you have an Apple Watch, on Alexa, all that stuff. I personally think it's great to set the budget on the computer. The screen's bigger, you can click around a little mm -hmm. bit more. But then as you're spending, take out your phone, you can check the budget before you go in the grocery store. After you check out, you can enter in the transaction, keep it all up to date. So I think a mix of the devices is actually maybe the best way to go. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, we had a call come in. Have you ever heard of the book, The Richest Man in Babylon? Yes. What do you think about it? Uh, so for those who haven't uh, heard of it, it's this book of financial advice uh, presented as if it was this like uncovered transcript from the ancient days. Um, from what I can remember when I read it, it's essentially going to tell you to uh, pay yourself first in savings. Um, a couple other just general pieces of, of advice. I remember thinking it was okay. Not that everything in it was like the best advice ever, but I don't think it's necessarily going to lead you astray. That does bring up a question. Uh, what do you think about focusing on savings first? I know with so much debt today, you know, there's that dilemma, do I save or do I just throw everything at my debt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the strategy that we recommend people take is that you do need to have some initial emergency savings before you're just gonna dive headlong into tackling debt. And so we teach people to have a starter rainy day fund but then we also teach people how to break up with the pay to paycheck cycle. And so to get a month ahead of your money so that you're always living 30 days ahead of it so that you're not kind of caught off guard. You know, if you're one, if something happens or pops up or you lose a job, it's not this immediate crisis and emergency. And then we also teach a strategy called piggy banking. And essentially what this is, it's not the same as emergency savings, but a lot of people tend to get derailed by these larger expenses that are infrequent. Think like um, car insurance. You know, you pay it one time a year, it's $1,200. And if you didn't save for it, it could kind of destroy your budget in any given month. It's just a larger expense to absorb. And so we teach people to divide that by 12 and to sock away, you know, $100 into their piggy bank every single month. And that's something you should be doing as you're paying off debt because you could be derailed very quickly by a large expense or by an emergency and you need those safety nets in place as you're diving in to really tackle the student loans, the credit cards, uh, the medical debt, etc. Yes, there's a particular there's a, a a level of savings that you should have before jumping full in at getting rid of debt and all of that, but not the full amount that we would recommend. You kind of save for a bit, take on the debt, get back to saving. Mm, excellent. You're listening to Trending with Timory today here on Relevant Radio. John and Amanda from WalletWin.com, a Catholic perspective on finances. Fantastic tips. Husband and wife, which is also helpful for married couples who are working through navigating the difficulties that finances can bring. We're taking your questions. If you have a question, the number is 1-888-914-9149. Or you can ask now on social media. Just follow me at Timory, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, -M -M -E -E, where we've also tagged John and Amanda at Wallet. 
well when on social media. A question came in that I want to dive into. A ball on Instagram said, "It is is it advice to take out a 401k while you're unemployed to pay off your home?" He said, "I'm currently debt free." I right, so this, uh, it seems like so the question would be, uh, should you take out um, an early, probably early? Uh, disbursement from your 401k retirement plan to, I don't know if it, I mean, to pay off your house, maybe not, but to keep current on the mortgage, maybe is another question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have enough details to actually answer this as thoroughly as maybe we would want to. I yeah, do I'm know that guess. They... So let's <laughs> let's guess yeah. and kind of put the context. Let's guess that he wants to take money out of his 401k early and he wants to use it to help pay the mortgage monthly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good guess. Typically, we we don't really recommend taking out of there early because you're going to get hit with not only um, there's penalties, there's possible taxes, depending on how it was set up, and different fees. And then you're losing out on the compounding interest that you're putting away this money initially for to, to gain for you as time goes on. And this would be like a nuclear option. There are so many other levers that people can pull before they would, I would even recommend going and looking at an option like that. But a lot of people view it as this safety net, but essentially all you're doing is robbing this money from your own self down the road. And so I would look at many other levers of, you know, a different job or increasing your income, finding different ways to throw money at the house before I would go rob this account. But I do know that they have written into the laws certain hardships that you can take early withdrawals without penalty. But again, you're going to miss out on that compounding interest. So in order for somebody to really understand the opportunity cost, I would recommend look at the money you were going to take out, let's call it $10,000, and put it in a compounding calculator and look at it what, it what it would be over the next 30 years for you. Is right. it worth it still, even seeing that amount? And oftentimes mm-hmm. it's not. Now, again, just kind of throwing in the context of this question, the person's currently unemployed so and is debt-free at the same time, though. So mm-hmm. just kind of with that that perspective, what advice or tips would you give? I'd say look at what you have. I mean, if, if we're debt-free, there seems like maybe there's a good chance that we have something in savings. So I'd certainly, you know, that's a, a time to rob your emergency savings, things like that, in order to keep up with your mortgage. Yeah. And one other resource I wanted to mention, um, oh my goodness, my brain might be blanking it right now, but I know our parish offers it. Is it the St. Vincent de Paul Mm. Society? There Mm. are these chapters across the U.S. Many parishes have a representative, and this is exactly the situation they exist for. A family who maybe loses a job and then is up against the wall and they have to pay some bills. That is why they're there. Mm. And so so I, I would recommend this person sit down and talk with them and figure out if they can receive some help as they're kind of getting back on their feet. Again, I would pull almost every lever I could mm-hmm. before I would go to the 401k. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a really good point. There are a lot of programs out there, even directly through companies themselves. I remember some mm-hmm. of the health insurance companies during COVID, if you had financial hardships, they would pay um, your health insurance um, premium mm-hmm. for three months, you know, and that that was helpful, you know, to help kind of get over uh, some of those challenging months for people. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's John and Amanda from WalletWind. You can check them out at WalletWind.com. We'll be right back with John and Amanda answering 
answering your questions. So give us a call, 1-888-914-9149, or ask your question now on social media. We're happy to take it. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We've also tagged Wallet Win as well if you want to check out their work. We'll come back talking about a no-spend Lenten challenge to help boost up your finances. And again, money can't buy you happiness, but you sure can feel better when you use it wisely. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending, and money can't buy you happiness, but how we use it as people of faith really does make a big difference. I know for me, one of the key things I try to always remember is that every provision I have to think of money as provisions. Provisions in order to accomplish, purchase, function as I need to. And I know that's been a really helpful mindset for me to have. There's so many things we could discuss when it comes to finances. Uh, But at the end of the day, what we have financially is always a gift from God. So how are we going to give it back to him? How are we going to be good stewards of our money? Maybe you have never brought God into the conversation of money. And so joining me now to discuss this is John and Amanda Texera. They are from WalletWin.com. Check it out, WalletWin.com. And you can put that in your back pocket. And what you're going to do today is you're going to hear a no-spend Lenten challenge. Now, you maybe already have something you're working on this Lent. I hope. If not, prayer, fasting, almsgiving are all three things we're supposed to work on during Lent. And this might help you with some of your almsgiving and even some of your fasting. So to present this challenge and maybe add to your Lenten sacrifices this year, uh, John and Amanda, let's hear a little bit about this Lenten challenge. Sure thing. I mean, what's more Catholic than a, hey, want to add a little bit more suffering to your life? Here's some (laughs) ideas. So uh, we're happy to share. But uh, the no spend challenge. Now, I don't know if any of us could go through the whole season of Lent without spending anything. We'd probably run out of food. Our bills would go behind, things like that. So the That's I, not what we're advocating not, for. So please don't send any letters or make any nasty posts online that we told you to go behind on your bills. But what a no-spend challenge is, is like a lot of other, a lot of our other Lenten fasting or abstinence practices. So what you actually mentioned earlier in the show about uh, only spending on Amazon one day of the week could be a form of a no spend challenge or just to say, you know what, I'm going to step back. I'm not going to do anything on Amazon or I'm not going to go to uh, Target or I'm not going to go to Costco, whatever it is. And you can modify your spending behavior. So we're not eliminating all spending, but we are going to intentionally eliminate some of it. And there's a couple different ways that you can do that. Right. As Jonathan mentioned, it can take on a myriad of different presentations. So how it might look for you is going to be different. So maybe there's no spending at certain places or certain days of the week that you're not going to spend. Or maybe there's a transaction limit that you are going to commit to. Or possibly you're just going to say, look, we are going to boil this down over the next 40 days to strictly needs. We're going to spend money on the things that we have to and the things that are just extra and that we want we're going to delay until it's Easter time. And we're just going to be uniting that up to our Lord. And then possibly with that extra money that we free up, now we have more to put into almsgiving. 
and we can use that money to actually go and and serve the poor or give to those who work with the poor uh, and fuel that other side of our Lenten sacrifice. Excellent. So what tips do you have to make this no spend Lenten challenge work? You know, how can we implement this in our, our, our own home apart from, you know, Amazon carts or maybe limiting shopping? You mentioned earlier, um, limiting shopping to one day a week. I know this is something I really try to do to not go to the grocery store more than one day a week to stick to Saturdays. That way it doesn't fall into Sundays because I really try not to shop on <laughs> Sundays. Um, but that, so that I'm not going multiple times a week because I didn't make a plan. I know I have to have a plan uh, for my meal plan so that I spend less when I go to the grocery store. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so we look at these three Lenten practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So we can think about this Smino Spend Challenge as under the fasting category. Now, in order to know maybe how you should live out a no spend challenge, you should probably pray about it. And if you are married, talk about it with your spouse. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you, because it's going to affect the whole family. Mm -hmm. uh, so look at how, how do we want to do this? Where is the Lord calling me to do this? Maybe, you know, there's been a little, you know, tap on your shoulder the last couple months to cut out a certain category or a certain store or whatever it might be. Well, maybe this is the opportunity to try that out. So figure it out. Think about it in prayer. You're going to take it up in your no spend challenge for fasting. And then also through prayer and discernment and talking about it as a family, figure out what you're going to do with that extra money. Is it going, how much of it's going to be a boost towards whatever that financial goal you have right now is? Mm -hmm. How much is it going to be thrown extra into giving? So really wrapping it all up in prayer and discernment is probably one of the most important things to do. And something else that I want to add, um, not only does it give you that benefit of maybe freeing up some money for putting towards that next financial goal or even almsgiving, but there are so many kind of intangible benefits that come from doing a, a spending fast just by the very virtue of pausing a cycle that a lot of us are in. You know, I, I caught myself as a young mother feeling stressed out and overwhelmed at home with the kids and needing to get out of the house and go spend money because it made me feel better. And I felt like I needed to go get a break. And uh, we, we've done different spending fasts and one, one of them helped me to recognize that that's exactly a pattern that I was falling into. Other people have told us that it helped them realize they had a little bit of a revenge spending going on in their marriage. You know, somebody came home with a bag from Target. The other person felt like they needed to go buy the shoes. Uh, and so it can help you realize where vice has possibly crept into your spending and has gotten into um, your money and root that out and replace it with virtue and intentional spending. Fantastic. I have a question that came in. If you have a question, number is 1-888-914-9149 for John and Amanda Texera from WalletWin.com. This is a time to get your financial questions answered from a Catholic perspective. Okay, so... Paul from Phoenix, Arizona commented on the Amazon basket where you only shop one day a week on Amazon. You build up your basket and then at the end of the week, for example, we do it on Fridays. You vet your basket, take out what you really didn't need, what is beyond your budget, and then make your order. He commented saying it's not good for him personally. He said he's put some things in his cart, but when he goes back to them, he finds that they've increased in price. So how would you address that um, with kind of this concern or even might I argue like fear of what if this becomes more expensive um, and how that might impact the budget. Yes, it is. It has happened to us for sure. 
Uh, you put something in the in the cart or on Amazon if you put it in your uh, what is it your wish list, I believe. Uh, no, uh, it'll tell you if it'll it's some, yeah, it'll decreased. say, oh, this since you've added this, this has gone up twenty eight cents or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so one way, so some it's sometimes it's going to go up, sometimes it's going to go down. So you might benefit sometimes by buying now. You might benefit sometimes by waiting a little bit. And in the end, I think that'll even out. And something that we do, because we hate paying more. <laughs> Why pay more if I don't have to? Uh, there's a website we used to utilize, and I don't know if Camel, Camel, Camel. Camel, 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 where you take the Amazon listing of the item and you take it over to Camel, 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 drop it in, and it'll show you the price trends on this item. And if I notice that I'm about to buy it at kind of that median price, but it looks like every 30 days they they drop this sucker by 10 bucks on a kind of a routine basis. Well, now I have motivation to wait. Mm -hmm. Or you can make a prudential decision of, oh, they've only been raising this as time's gone on, which almost never happens. They usually bake in different sales and promotions, but you can actually see and study the trends to make an informed decision instead of just falling into the hands of scarcity marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the internet runs off of scarcity marketing mm -hmm. uh, and jealousy marketing. And so just to remember, I, I liked what you said. It's a vital part of this, whether it's your Amazon cart, whether it's the grocery cart before you go to the checkout aisle is to vet the cart to stop for a minute and to go, okay, okay, what do I need? Do I, how, how many boxes of donuts do we need to get this week? Uh, <laughs> oh, so that you need to just, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's always on your mind. Yes. Hey. So it's uh, so we, you just have to stop and, and think about it. And it's not, it's not, again, it's not like a, Hey, rein it in, buddy. You, you think you're going overboard? No, it's remember. Earlier on, maybe a week ago, maybe three weeks ago, we sat down and we made a plan that was in response to what God is asking me to do in my life right now. I just want to make sure I'm doing the plan. Yeah, integrity in the moment. Exactly. Right? It's, uh, it's like in the Chronicles of Narnia, which we read nonstop in our house. Uh, there's a part where Aslan's going over these signs that this one character needs to keep an eye out for. And she's supposed to remember them every day, repeat them to herself over and over. So when she sees it, she knows it. And that's what we're doing when we are vetting the cart. Mm -hmm. We're repeating the plan over to ourselves to make sure we're on track so that we don't miss it. Because if we don't, we probably will miss it. Mm -hmm. And it keeps you accountable. There is a level of guilt that comes in them when you're at the store and you're buying something <laughs> that you really shouldn't be buying. And you can choose to ignore that guilt. I mean, you can, but that's where your conscience is kicking in. And I think a lot of us mm -hmm. struggle to have a conscience in the 21st century with mm -hmm. regard to money. Because um, mm -hmm. I remember a friend of mine, he had gone to his parents and said, why didn't you ever teach me about money? And I remember his parents said, well, we thought other things were more important for you to learn, like your <laughs> education at school. And he's like, well, they didn't teach me about money at school. Well, you didn't teach me and I have terrible money practices now. And so I think that, you know, learning a good sense and developing and fostering that conscience with regard to money is actually really necessary uh, for mm -hmm. most people today in the age of you just swipe to buy 
Maybe you have a credit card. Um, I think that that's really important. And that actually does bring up a question. And before I go there, if you have a question, you can ask it now on social media or give us a call 1-888-914-9149. I am posting links on social media to some of these fantastic tools uh, that John and Amanda from WalletWin are mentioning. WalletWin.com is their website. Uh, You mentioned Camel, Camel, Camel for pricing things out and seeing um, trends of prices on particular items. And you also mentioned YNAB, a software for budgeting. Great resources. By the way, is YNAB free or do you have to pay for it? You get a 34-day free trial when you start. So you can go through a whole budget cycle, planning, living the month, and then checking it out afterwards. After that, you do have to pay for it, but we have found that it is well worth it. And the other budgeting software, when it's free, they're making their money because they are taking all of your spending information, which Mm -hmm. is a treasure trove for marketers and selling Mm -hmm. it. It might, Mm -hmm. you know, so So YNAB does not do that. You pay them because that's what covers the software. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the cheaper side um, when it comes to spending my, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would say that usually I don't want to spend something like that, uh, but I do spend money on my budgeting software. That's something I really kind of nailed down the last couple of years is I don't care. I know it's a little chunk, uh, but I think it's important Mm -hmm. uh, to have. Okay, question coming out of the spending fast that you're encouraging during Lent. How do you come out of a spending fast, whether during or not during Lent, with new habits rather than just saying, okay, I did this 30-day fast, great, I have free money now, or let's Mm -hmm. say um, I remember last year we were trying to buy a house and you know, we need a little bit more for a down payment. We saved for 60 days. We're able to buy our house and boom, um, you know, that was it. And maybe we weren't as on top of things for a little while after that. What would you recommend to make sure it's a life change and not just this short spurt of a fast financially? Fantastic insight. Yes. We, after any sort of fast, right? You don't want to fast during Lent and then go to the all-you-can-eat buffet uh, right after and just kind of wreck it all. Or maybe you think you want to. You think you want to, yeah. (laughs) Then you're going to walk out hurting that much more. Uh, Same thing. You don't don't plan a trip to the outlets after the no spend challenge. What you want to do is as you're going through that challenge, you're going to feel times when you want to go spend the money. And keep note of those. Is it when you're stressed out, when you just got in a fight with your spouse, when things didn't go your way at work, when you saw somebody else just got something? When a new thing was released, whatever it might be. So I'd say use this opportunity as a as a chance to learn more about yourself. When are those times when you're being pulled to buy something? And not everything you spending money and buying things, even things you like and only want, is not a bad thing. No. But it's recognizing what is behind this desire to spend the money. And then as you're going through there, hopefully, because you're not going to go spend the money during the fast, during the challenge, you're going to address those needs and those wants in a different way. You're going to go, maybe you're going to go to prayer when you're feeling disappointed and you've had a bad day, or you're going to talk to your spouse when you feel like you need a connection. You're going to have a a burst of some neurochemicals there. So keep an eye on what are those things that you've learned during it, and then make sure that those practices are are continuing to happen even as you exit the fast. And then I would add to that, um, pay attention to some of the tangible fruits that you've seen from the spending fast. So you were able to pay off more debt or you were able to save more money. Jot that down, write it down so that you remember that when you are paying attention to and being a good steward with your money, look, good things happen. It frees you up to say yes to that next goal that you were excited about. And those are really fun things to do and to celebrate. 
fantastic financial tips for peace when it comes to finances, the freedom you're looking for. John and Amanda Texera, Catholic Perspective on Finances at WalletWin.com. That's WalletWin.com. John, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to have you on again soon. If you have financial questions, we'll take them next time we talk to John and Amanda. Coming up, some information about the gender crisis that you need to hear. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Ash Wednesday Lent really inspires that desire to change and to change with God. People love the idea of God. If they don't love God, they at least love the idea of God. God is all giving. We are totally dependent on him. Having for those people who have the idea that there's a greater power out there. Um, so talking about your Lenten um, sacrifices, fasts, I think can really be an evangelization point. I think Lent sparks a conversation in people that goes from this whole idea of the self-help culture that we live in, and it inspires people to be transformed in God. And remember, the word inspiration, inspire, means to be in the spirit. So let's talk about being inspired, those people who love self-help, those five quick tips, whatever it might be. And so we need to kind of take that opportunity and remember that people are looking for transformation. People are looking for that opportunity to change. And sometimes they just need that 40-day season to be inspired to do so. A bunch of my friends who aren't even Catholic now engage in Lenten practices. Why? Because they need, they want, they desire that liturgical season for transformation with God rather than always trying to do it by themselves with these five easy steps or whatever it might be. One challenge I do want to pose to you this Lent that I think is so important, and we were actually reading about it if you've been following along on the daily Mass readings um, throughout the week. On Saturday, daily Mass reading came from Isaiah 58, and Isaiah 58 talked about keeping holy the Lord's Day, that is, the Sabbath day. And I'm actually going to read through it really briefly because I think it's important to just pause and see um, how when we honor God, when we honor one of these fundamental commandments that He gives us, that our life is transformed and God makes it clear that that will happen. But there's a lot we have to do to get there. In Isaiah chapter 58, we read, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's from Isaiah 58, talking about restraining yourself from engaging in things on the Sabbath. What does it say to do? Don't just follow pleasure. Keep the day holy. What does holy mean? To be set apart. Make the Sabbath, make that Sunday day a day of delight, the Lord's day. Make it something honorable. Make yourself worthy of it. Empty out that day with, in terms of what you do and give it to God. I'm not saying don't do anything, but be intentional with what you do. I mentioned earlier, I really try not to do any shopping, grocery shopping in person or even on Amazon. If I want to buy something online, I try not to do it on Sundays. I really do. 
And again, in Isaiah, it talks about don't go your own way on Sundays. Like, don't just choose what you want to do. Uh, Choose a perspective that gives that opportunity to rest in the Lord. And that can mean engaging in true culture. That can mean, you know, doing things like going to the park as a family. That means setting, first and foremost, that priority, though, of when you go to church, that that is the core of your day, not that it's the thing that you fit in at a random time during that day. Here in Isaiah, it even talks about not talking idly. Why? Because we need to hollow out that day for the Lord. Don't engage in idle talk. What's the benefit? Well, the benefit is delighting in the Lord, union with God. That God will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. And that he will feed you your heritage. What is your heritage? The kingdom of God. But yes, God also has a gift so many gifts for you here on earth to delight in the provisions he gives to you. And so just something to think about as you're walking through your son, your sacrifices, this Lent, one way to really focus in on there is to take seriously the third commandment. I mean, it is so fundamental that we are listening to these commandments God gives us. And I think that's one that we've really thrown out uh, in the modern day culture. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I've been talking to you about this since last week, and I'm really glad we can finally dive into this. Uh, I told you about a grandmother who wrote a letter um, to her granddaughter. Now, the granddaughter posted on TikTok. This is how we found out about it. This college-age girl posted on TikTok, and she is going through this whole transgender transition. Listen to what she said when she received this letter from her grandmother. Hi, so recently I texted my parent because I'm going to go home for Christmas and I said, hey, do you mind calling me Mike when I come back for Christmas? And then when I got home today, I got this letter from my grandma and it is addressed to Miss Old Name. Not actually, but you know, I don't want to say my real name on the internet. Dearest dead name. On this, our Blessed Mother's Feast Day, I am writing to tell you that I will not address you as Mike. My decision is probably not a surprise to you. Others may comply with your request. My anguish in your chosen name and what that means has to do with your eternal soul. Know that I love you more than words could ever possibly convey to you. No matter how you decide to identify yourself does not change my deep love for you, honey. Because of my concerns for your soul and your mental health, I am spending more time with Jesus in adoration. The, my cousin's last names, are doing the same for you. Um, then she lists my one, two, three, four, five cousins that are below the age of ten, who are apparently, um, offering up special personal sacrifices for me, who I didn't tell, um, that I wanted to go by Mike. I didn't want to. I haven't talked with your godmother and her family, but I'm sure they would do the same for you. Do you know how much you are cherished and loved? It would be a joy to see you and be with you during the coming Christmas um, celebration of our Lord's birth. This is an absolute win when it comes to how to talk to a loved one who is going through an identity crisis. Could be a gender crisis, and we'll specifically address it as that. Um, This grandmother just absolutely cut to the core when it came to telling her granddaughter how much she loved her 
but speaking the truth in love while addressing a really difficult issue. Notice here this young lady in college says, hey, I'm coming home from Christmas, told my parents, text them and said, I want to be called Mike now. Boom. Parents must have mentioned it to the family and grandma writes a letter. Grandma writes a letter saying, I will not call you Mike, saying how much she loves her granddaughter and that nothing will change that, but also reminding her granddaughter the granddaughter has an eternal soul and that she is going to do something about this. She's going to be praying for her and she's recruited the rest of the family, which by the way, this young lady just told her family that when she comes home for Christmas, she wants to be called Mike. Well, the grandma just recruited the cousins and various family members to actually really pray and make sacrifices for this young girl. Showing her, yes, that this behavior is wrong and also saying, I'm going to help try and do something about this because we love you. And I appreciate how she ends this. Do you know how much you are loved? She asks that. And she even writes in there how happy and delighted she is to see her granddaughter at Christmas, no matter what. She's just telling her, I'm not calling you Mike. I'm concerned about what's going on, and we're praying for you. She did an excellent job of saying no with love, saying your soul matters. I'm doing something about this for you. That even kind of touching on the fact that there are consequences. The grandmother mentions the younger cousins who are now aware of this, and notice this young woman specifically didn't want her little cousins to know about this whole gender crisis because she wants to set a good example. Clearly, this girl understands, has a level of culpability, has a level of conscience kicking in, is concerned about what her younger family members will think. But she, in all of this, her conscience is being convicted, but she's also being told she is loved. And this is why I think this young woman who's struggling with a gender crisis posted this on social media. Because this letter was so profoundly impactful, it made her question everything with her identity. I hope we hear more about her and her story, but I think this is a key example of how to address the gender crisis with our loved ones. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Tuesday, I'll talk about actress Paris Hilton, how she explained that her abortion led her to use a surrogate to have her baby. I'll talk about what happens after you've had an abortion and why surrogacy is harmful for the hired surrogate. Join me daily at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.